Hi ho silver and welcome to the show. Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to die. Today on the show show, the 2001 HBO miniseries Band of Brothers. Let's do a quick uh, test to see who watched the show. Flash. Thunder. Thunder. Uh... <laughs> You're dead, Trooper. Uh, well, I am one of your hosts. I am Jay. Here on the show, we got Eric. Bang, bang. We got Aaron. Hello. And we got Adam. Hey, boys, how we doing? That's me. I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing pretty well, man. I am excited to talk about this show. It's uh, something that has really resonated with me in a way that some of the other shows you watched haven't. I would have to agree. Very much so. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Doing well. well. Sorry, I hear an echo for some reason. Um, Uh, That might be me. Yeah, I'm um, doing well. Enjoyed the show very much. So um, I will say this: walking into the show, there was a little bit of a, a thought entered into my mind that World War II has been done to death, literally. Uh, whether it be through Call of Duty, TV shows, references to Nazis as the ultimate bad guys, whatever. And so there was a little bit of um, hesitation going into this, especially it being as old as it is now. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised by the storytelling and how well they did it and um, how actually the older style footage actually made it feel more real now. Like that it was a little bit more grainy and gritty um, and not so HD, which made me feel actually it, it feel more authentic to me in some ways. That's an odd observation, but I, I have to agree. Yeah, I, I was looking for like a... 4k like oh have they uh remastered this and no they didn't and uh, i think the aged look when was this 20 2000 right at 2000 2001 yeah um when i i started watching this show each as you know each episode starts with interviews from the easy company the real people the real people from easy company and the very first episode they're talking about the reasons why they volunteered Mm -hmm. and i can't remember who it was because they don't show you who they are until the very end but one of the the interviewees is talking about how he joined up because of pearl harbor because america was attacked and um when i hear that as a child born in 1989 you know america being attacked there's very there's one event in my mind that really stands out so i immediately went and looked up when did this show air specifically and that episode aired on september 9th 2001 holy crap yeah uh so you know i just got chills yeah right (laughs) uh so just that that whole concept of we had in an iron class had reason for doing this we had a mandate uh like that's very different from our experiences living through the eras of the the war on terror yeah on on the war on terror well let me let me i'm sorry let me throw one monkey wrench in your statement Uh, we were attacked by the japanese the germans declared war on us we declared war on the germans then we declared war on the japanese so mandate 
uh, we were we wanted into the war, and I think this was more of a, an excuse. The people may have seen it as a mandate, but FDR was ready to get into this thing. So uh, I I do think that we have to also remember the the due order of pleadings, if you will, on history. No, you're absolutely right. The the attack they're referring to was absolutely from the Japanese. But as we saw in episode number nine, mm-hmm. we also had a, a really great reason to go fight in Europe. Absolutely. Now, as that episode showed, we didn't necessarily, or that that the knowledge of what was going on with the Holocaust, that wasn't widely known until the end of the war, long after we had jumped in with both feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nonetheless, to to rid the world as we thought at the time of fascism and of tyranny <laughs> um that 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 was a great reason to go yes and uh you know to sacrifice the life sacrifice uh, everything that the country had to in order to prosecute this war mm-hmm no, I I, uh, I definitely think there was a very, very interesting kinship between 9-11 and uh, Pearl Harbor, and it kind of gives us a, a unique perspective as a generation looking back to a feeling like there was just a, a heavy dose of patriotism post 9-11 that is unavoidable thinking back to that time period, you know, seeing all the flags, all the patriotism, you know, even hell... It, it didn't matter who we were going to war with. Everybody was voting for the war. So uh, there, there is an interesting unifying event when you have this. And I think this is kind of a message throughout the entire show that trauma and struggle and strife becomes a, a bonding element, you know, within a group or, or community or country or whatever. So uh, you can take that Pearl Harbor moment and almost take it through the entire show with each of the events that the soldiers are put through. Yeah, I, th- I think we saw a lot of that in, I think it was episode number seven or eight with the patrol or maybe, maybe actually, I'm, I might be missing. No, I'm not. Uh, where Webster comes in with Colin Hanks, where he's mm-hmm. been in the hospital, and he was not. He was there for D-Day. He was there for the Battle of the Bulge. Uh, I'm sorry, not the Battle of the Bulge, but for Operation Market Garden. But he misses the Battle of the Bulge. He misses Bastogne, Bastogne. and he's ostracized from his comrades who he's been through training with. He's been through D-Day with, but because he didn't leave the hospital early and because he wasn't in that trauma of Bastogne, he's treated like a replacement. Mm-hmm. Now, there's, there is an element of camaraderie that comes with, and I, I think that that's the whole, I, I don't know, to me, the whole messaging of Band of Brothers is that the camaraderie of the soldiers is something that is unique and, you know, forged in war. And uh, it's... Well, literally digging trenches with... Literally, <laughs> literally digging trenches. And I, I will say, whenever they were pissed about the guys taking a shit in their trench, I laughed pretty hard. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> well, I think the show, I think the show kind of explores its own, like, injustices of the war in the sense of, like, why are we here? What are we fighting against? Up until they get to the uh, concentration camps. And then it really kind of sinks in, like, oh, my God, this is what we've been fighting for. This is what we've been working for. And then you even have a reflection of that and at, the end of the, at the end of the series when all the new uh, guys are just sitting watching fields. And they're like, what are we here for? And then one of, one of the heroes has to speak up and says, like, you were not there. You were not there. Do not be ungrateful. Be grateful that you 
didn't have to fight for this. And then um, this is the best the war's been. I got a hot meal and a warm bed, right? Right. Think... <laughs> right. And it kind of it, it kind of goes to show how quick you can forget, even in the midst of war. Po- like very early post-war, people are already kind of forgetting um, why they were there, what they were fighting for, all this other stuff. I mean, I think it's a. Um, I th- I think we also have to realize that the reason why the soldiers are there fighting is much more simplified to we were attacked as opposed to the evils of fascism per se. Like, like I think that that's the whole point is they discover what fascism and the fascists were doing over in Europe through the war. They just knew that they were aggressive. They were taking over countries. They were, you know, doing bad things. But I, I think that because, you know, we live in an era where information is so, you know, pervasive I feel like back then it was it was kind of like something's wrong. They attacked us. Let's get into this, and then the kind of the the bandages start to fall off of their eyes, and they start to see how horrible. But at the same time, one of the most heart wrenching scenes for me in the entire show was whenever they have to tell the the um, concentration camp victims that they have to go back into the concentration camp and they have to regulate their eating to prevent them from eating themselves to death. And there's just this collective wailing of the people when they realize that they're being put back in the camps by their liberators. That was um, so tough. That was, that was so, so tough. tough. Yeah. You really that felt was... with the translator who has to stand up because he, he actually says, I can't tell them that. Yeah. But, you know, as a theme we saw over and over, you know, you're a soldier. You have to do your duty. And this you is what has duty. to be done. Yeah, no, I, I do like do that aspect of these types of shows where it really shows that military is all about duty and not not what you're feeling at the moment. And I mean, in their best interest, not letting a lot of liberated Jews run run around the woods of the war. That's that's in their best interest of everybody. And that was a very, like you said, gut-wrenching moment where what had to be done had to be done. Mm-mm. I think that's what I like about this show the most is watching watching it as a, not really like a history lesson, but as an attempt to walk a mile. You really get a you really get an eerie sense of the series every time you remember that this actually happened. The, the people really lived this, and the evidence is the interviews before before and after every episode. The the men, the heroes that actually like walked through this, that had to live that, being reintegrated into society. It's a very very complicated issue to cover. I think I think that's also depicted by um, Sergeant Winters, or yeah, I don't know. He his his rank changed the entire thing. Winters, whenever he would have the continual flashback of of D Day, and running up on essentially the German teenager, who kind of looks up, and then realizes that it's an American soldier standing over him, and Winters shoots and kills him, and you know, but for the theater of war the moral question, the moral realities of that scenario are are so different, you know, to just run up and shoot a teenager, you know, we would find it reprehensible, but in war, it, the teenager could have easily just turned and shot and killed him. And, and so, you know, that decision to kill that young man haunted him through the entire show. Like, I feel we, we got that flashback three or four times 
whenever he was kind of in introspection. So, uh, I mean, we also got to see kind of the weight that the people carry with them moving forward, making these decisions, you know, especially like Nixon, whenever he loses the whole plane, you know, like he jumps out and the plane gets hit and he gets, you know, comes back to to camp and he's all pissed off because he lost all the soldiers and he's going to have to write the letters telling them that they died, their parents, that they died of heroes. And like, he's actively getting demoted and they're telling him all this other stuff. And he just doesn't give a shit anymore. Like he's like carrying the burden of this loss and it's so on top of him that that nothing else really matters. So it's it's interesting to see the human element in the rigid structure of the military and everything ultimately bleed through. Hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think that's one of the qualities of this show that really works is that in a lot of ways, World War II has been romanticized to the point where you almost think that the people fighting it all were just gung-ho every single day. And I think this show really helps to reintroduce how horrible it really was for the people who had to go through this. But then at the end, or at least the the episodes, the next to last episode, then reminds us that, yeah, it was horrible, but there was a damn good reason for it. I was with them until they started destroying property and looting, I'm just saying. Oh man, yeah, and I I enjoyed that we 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 got characters who were not angels like Lieutenant Spears, yeah, who was just <laughs> stealing the candlesticks because he could and shipping them home. Or the and what was it then, the one uh, guy that found stole... the beer, like just mm-hmm. randomly on some Dutch like like windowsill. He's like, yeah, I found some beer over there at that farm. Just took it. Yeah. Or um, I, I think it was Percante who is just he's taken the eggs from the German farm and then he basically tries to get the, the German farm girl to have sex with him. We don't really see it, but, you know, he comes out he's like, yeah, she slapped me and, uh, and she wasn't down away. for it. Yeah. Um, so we, we you know, it, it, we didn't see anybody like rape and pillage, but we did see some of these guys do bad things. Well, it was interesting to see that at the end of the war, there kind of was a, a collective blind eye turn to looting. And I, and I mean, I guess spoils of war, that's kind of the history of war, is that when the war is over and won, you get to take their shit. Um, and so I guess that that maybe is the, the moral balancer. But I mean, I also thought that they did a really good job of showing that once the, the combat was done, having all these soldiers brings new issues. And I thought that this was really funny, you know, kind of, like the whole in the last episode, we had like the soldier like getting drunk and hitting the person with the car and shooting the the officer and things like that. That was just kind of like issues with internally within the ranks. But it reminded me of like the Third Crusade, where like the the warriors from the previous Crusades had come back to Europe and were just causing havoc. And the Pope was like told, "Just send them out again. Like we just got to get them out of here because." There's causing problems, you know, mm-hmm. like soldiers, when you, like Eric was pointing out, like you train soldiers, they have to reintegrate back into society, have to see things different ways, you know, they're warriors. And we saw the warrior justice whenever they, they captured the guy who shot that one sergeant was it, it wasn't shifty that shifty got in the car wreck. I don't remember who it was that got shot at the yeah, very at the end, end. Whenever they went into the cabin of the Jew and then he, he shot him in the back and then he, then he only, he, no, he no, like, not that one. The one with the, where they got the kraut surgeon and I shouldn't, shouldn't say that, but the, the German surgeon to come and save the guy, the brain surgeon. I don't know if you remember that. There yeah, was like yeah. the, the scene with the car and the guy like had the gun and shot that officer. 
they beat the living shit out of that guy before handing him over to the military police. Let me ask you guys, uh, when I was watching that episode, um, I, I was unsure that the guy they were beating was the same one. Like, I, I might have missed it. Like, was it the same guy? I thought it was. It, they, there was no indication that it wasn't that guy. Because okay. there were three other people there that saw it happen. So, and I thought that they, they said a name. So I, I I took it as this was the guy. So after he saved uh, the guy's life, then they beat him up. I didn't catch that. So there was a scene where they walk in, where, where Winters walks in, and he's like, where is he? And if you remember, there are two guys sitting there, and they're like, they hear this noise in the background. It's like 30 soldiers beating the shit out of a guy tied to a chair. Oh, that's and, the guy that was drunk. That was the Yeah, guy yeah, that yeah. That's, that's who we're talking about. The guy who shot the officer in the head while drunk after killing two other uh, officers right, right. trying to take their car. Um, so he was getting the shit beat out of him before being sent to the military police. It's just what I was saying, warrior justice. Okay, uh, gotcha. okay. I thought you were saying the scientist that uh, did the brain surgery. No, oh, no, 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 not that guy. Yeah, but that, that whole last episode was really powerful for me because it was just a lot of different issues of war and of this war specifically that I never really thought about before. Like mm -hmm. the fact that all of these guys, even though the war was over, even though the fighting had ended and they had won in Europe, they were having to look ahead for those few months of, well, damn, we're going to have to drop into Tokyo and do this all over again on the other side of the world. Yeah. Well, some of I guess some of them were thinking that, but whenever the, whenever they sent them all home, Winters came out and interrupted like the softball game or baseball game, whatever they were playing. Then everyone took a knee and said, "All right, guys, this is this is it. Like we're going home." The war it, ended. They got the war way. ended. Yeah, war was over. It was they were training um, to go to the Pacific at that time. Well, it was really interesting to watch. Like just boys be boys, and like they were running around tackling each other in the mud on the way back to the barracks, probably for the last time, or at least for some of them. And um, it was really kind of jarring. Just that you don't do that in society. You don't have that kind of rough play. You don't really have like this level of um, uh, brotherhood, I guess. It's fraternal. And, it's like the fraternities kind of have that right, yeah, camaraderie. Yeah. I think I think it's very interesting, um, especially the whole reintegration and uh, post-war trauma issues, such as the drinking and driving and uh, everything else. I, it, it's a very heavy topic to cover in two well, especially or however fast they did it. Especially since I don't think there were laws against drinking and driving in that time period at all. Like, oh, yeah, overseas. Like, what do you do? Like, uh, no, I, I don't uh, even think in the United States. Like in the fifties, I don't think that there were drunk driving laws like we have today. Like oh, that's really? that's something that came about in the seventies, I believe. Hmm. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, but I I feel like there, and in fact, it wasn't really heavily enforced until the nineties, and because it's where Mothers Against Drunk Driving kind of rose to prominence as they would go after prosecutors who refused to enforce uh, drink driving laws. Man. Yeah, I, I don't know for sure. Uh, a quick Google says that the first state to adopt a law against drinking and driving was New York in 1910. Uh, but that doesn't mean it was enforced, like you're saying. You know, uh, like in The Great Gatsby, they're 
anytime that they're driving, they're drinking because they're drinking through that old book. And the problem is never that they're drinking and driving. The problem is that they, you know, killed somebody while driving. And the drinking part is really never uh. discussed as the problem. It's just did you know, cultural uh, attitudes, I suppose. Sorry, Adam, go ahead. Did y'all see uh, Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, Episode 5? I totally missed him in that episode. He oh, just yeah, pulls up good. in a Jeep. A lot of cameos, and it was. I, I looked it up. It is Donnie Wahlberg, Adam, not not Mark Wahlberg. Okay, because I thought I saw Mark yeah. Wahlberg pull up. But like everybody was in this show. I, I made a quick yeah. list: uh, Michael Fassbender, Simon Pegg, Colin Hanks, Tom Hardy, James McAvoy, David Schwimmer. Scott mm-hmm. Grimes, uh, he, from the Orville, Malarkey, if you guys recognized him. Yep, yep. Uh, Ron fucking Livingston. Yep. Uh, Donnie Wahlberg, Neil McDonough, Jimmy Fallon, Dominic Cooper, and Andrew Scott's. Like, every up-and-coming actor, especially the British ones of the early aughts, they were all in this. I think this was when HBO was doing very focused uh, series. Well, yeah, this is like uh, Wire, uh, Sopranos, Sex in the City era, right? It's kind of the, the beginning of the golden age of HBO's status as the prestige television destination. Yeah, like it's it because all because what is it? Sex in the City starts in like I I just know that Sex in the City, Sopranos, and The Wire were three of those shows that like began before the HD 6x9, 16x9 or whatever it is, mm-hmm. Revolution. So, like, you go back and watch a lot of those, and I think Band of the Brothers had to be extended also. Um, they're they're not the right aspect ratio. Right. Like, I, I think, with the exception of Band of Brothers, all these started in the late 90s. Yep. And overlapped into the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, that's that's what I my memory was that this is kind of that the beginning of the golden age where everybody's like, it's not it's not TV, it's HBO. Right. <laughs> and I, I read through the uh, the IMDb trivia on this because I'm a nerd and I love to do that in the stuff I watch. And apparently Seth Rogen uh, auditioned for a part on this show and didn't get it. Oh, no. And, um you mentioned about the Wahlbergs. Mark Wahlberg was actually at one point slated to be Captain Winters. Oh. Uh, but I am so very glad that it went yeah. to Damian Lewis instead. He knocked out of the park. Absolutely. I think that Mark Wahlberg, I don't know that he can not overact that position. Like there was a lot of stoicism in, in Winters throughout this series. And almost like unquestionably moral. Like you never got the sense that winters was gonna lead you wrong if you wanted one guy to be leading you into battle you wanted it to be winters i I agree how winters spoke up to uh uh nixon the guy writing the letters he was like what you don't you don't see us as the heroes anymore and it was kind of like a check like where winters really had to take it to heart like no we're we're career military we're we're in the right. It's not not that we're in the right, we're, but we're heroes. There's way too much here to think about than to be um, what what's the word? Um, 
not a life crisis, but uh, a, a existential crisis and an existential crisis in all these letters that you're sending home to these heroes. Like, bottom line, we're heroes. Like, you don't need to put this weight and this burden on these families and all these letters. Just we're heroes. Let's leave it at that. And I think that's a, a real um, virtue of a captain that, you know, you have all you have a lot of men under you. You have to kind of take care of their psyche a little bit. Don't let them think about all those crazy hard things and winters was set up right from the beginning they did an excellent job of creating him as this great leader because in that first episode he's always in great contrast to david schwimmer's captain sobel mm-hmm. where you know god i hated that guy oh he they made him so hateable and they did that so well so well because you know they're they're running up the mountain in that one time when schwimmer's making them do it right after eating and it's almost it like he's shocked. Yeah, he's shocked to see, he's shocked to see Winters running with his men and leading his men from the front. And then when when they eventually go over to England, and Winters not only beats Schwimmer in those war games, but there for for me there was a really good moment where he's riding around in the jeep with Neil McDonough, and the other officer has been gambling with the men, and Winters is saying never ever do that because you never want to be in a position to take from these men. Yeah, there was an unspoken kind of moral code that he had that was. I mean, it, it reminds me kind of in a certain way of how like George Washington. Like it very much matters how you're perceived as the leader, how the men see you, how how we act, how we treat the officers, you know, because people are watching. And I think that that kind of gets also to and I don't remember his name, but the guy who took over who all the rumors about shooting the Germans, the the POWs at the beginning, uh, Tom Cruise, <laughs> the Tom Cruise light um, gave him yeah. uh, 30 cigarettes. Yeah, so, you know, Lieutenant Spears, Lieutenant Spears, you see how appearances continue and persist in ranks like this, you know, even up until the very end, there's this kind of question, did it happen? Did it not happen? And Spears kind of adds to that mystique by kind of saying, do you ever notice how anyone who says that they heard it from somebody who is there and you trace it back to that person, how they weren't really there and they heard it from somebody who was there? Like, uh, I, I actually started questioning whether or not he shot all those people by the end of it. Um, we were left with the impression that he did. But it just, I don't know, like, it, it kind of, to me, seeing how the leadership is, you know, perceived matters. Especially if it comes down to the integrity, because I feel like if you don't think that your leadership has integrity, you're less likely to have integrity. Yeah, I thought we got a great study in this show of what is a good leader, what is not a good leader, where we had examples of bad leaders like Captain Sobel, who, you know, he was training them hard, but it wasn't to train them well to go fight in war. It was personal. He wanted to be the best trainer. He wanted to have a shiny thing to show off to his his superiors. It wasn't about making the men better. It was just about him. Or we had the, I think it was, was it Lieutenant Dyke, the, the yeah, commander of the Easy moron. Company? The worst! Who froze during the assault on Foy and who during yeah, Bastogne, when asked to give up some of his med kit, says, well, what if I get hit? You know, we had the leaders like Captain Winters and sometimes Captain Nixon who were always thinking about the men. And then we have the others who were thinking about themselves. I thought he was a spy the whole time. Like, 
Come on, did anyone else? Where where was he going? I think he was just a. a he was one of those people who was in it. He was a career military guy who was just there to see some combat. They kind of said that too, that yeah, he was just put there so that he could get some combat experience. Yeah. Are we talking about the guy who froze? Yeah, it yeah. Like, So interesting note about him that I read on the most uh, reliable source in the world, IMDb. Apparently the show a little bit dramatizes that, where in in reality he was a decorated veteran of of D-Day, of uh, Market Garden, of other places. And apparently what happened was he was wounded for the first time during that assault on Foy. And they think the shock of being wounded made him freeze. And Uh. so like he he wasn't necessarily this like evilly bad leader. He just he he messed up during a a key assault. But uh you know perception is is reality. Right. And I don't mean to knock the show on this. Like, you know, it's a television show and it was incredibly enjoyable. And I think that just goes towards one of the themes of the show is what is leadership? What does it mean to be a good leader? Yeah. Well, they already had that character too. They had they had that character in uh, Lynn Lynn Compton or um, Neil kind of looked like Buzz Lightyear. Um, the one who yeah, the one that he, that freaked out and Buck, the one Buck, that kind of Buck, had the yeah. the. After he got injured, injured, he kind of lost his nerves. Well, then he saw two people get uh, bombarded yeah. by a mortar shell right in front of him. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what really made him lose it. Uh, Jay, you had a really good setup question. You want to explore that? Sure. Um, I'm a big fan of the hit war movie podcast, Friendly Fire, and that's a podcast where they, they watch war movies. And every episode, they do a segment where they call it, Who's Your Guy? where they kind of identify a character in the movie who they identify with the most and who they see themselves in the most. Uh, so I was curious to see who in this show do you, you see yourself being? I have no idea how to answer that question. I, I like that question a lot, and I, I put some thought into it. So I'm going to say um, Buck. I liked, I liked Buck a lot. I think his come to terms with war was very realistic and i don't know if i would have been able not be that guy i mean i almost said uh, who is the guy that was looking up at the sky um, um, like i like him <laughs> maybe a little bit too much but i think buck was more realistic in the sense of you saw some shit some like heavy heavy shit it could have been you it almost was you and at sometimes you probably wish it was you instead of your brothers right in front of you. So I, I think I think that kind of shock is very uh, relatable in that sense. And um, I, I think he'd be my guy in the sense of he's very heroic, very uh, caring about his um, other troops, but it just war war broke him. So I liked him a lot. How about you, Aaron? I'm I'm torn um, because I don't know that I see myself 100 percent in anyone, but the people that I think I to some degree had a a certain affinity towards would have been Bull and Malarkey. Um, Malarkey, you know, to some extent, kind of like at the beginning, it's Malarkey who who's talking with the Germans, right? And and see someone from like Ohio or something or Oregon, 
Um, right. And and he kind of makes this connection with someone you know that he probably shouldn't be making a connection with. And and there's a certain sense of my personality, like learning stuff about people, speaking, bringing up stuff, you know, random weird facts and shit like that, or wearing a heavy metal T-shirt and someone seeing you and instantly having that connection, that I, I saw that affinity in him. And also just kind of having to kind of, you know, trudge through this whole thing. He, to some degree, kept his spirits up. Um, but Bull, I don't know, there was something about Bull that I just admired. Like, he he was in it, he was there, he was he, he had his men's back, and I thought that that just, he kind of portrayed that quiet leadership that you could depend on, and I think they even said that throughout the whole thing, that he was one of the best soldiers that they had in the entire platoon, but I, I really just, I liked seeing that kind of dependable, you know, do what needs to get done, don't cross that line, you know, be the good guy type mentality that he had. He was the guy that got stuck on the storm drain, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got stuck in the storm drain on the wrong side. Almost saving Private Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so those those have been my two boys. Like, oh, here's a spinoff. Here it is. Here it is. <laughs> what about you, Adam? Any any inklings? Uh, I I kind of in line with Aaron in the sense that I I don't really have one that I like identified with uh to that extent but i did have favorable favorable impressions of certain characters uh i really liked captain winters obviously for most of the reasons that jay described earlier uh just seemed like a really stand-up guy and like he had this mentality of okay i'm gonna follow orders even if i don't think it's the right thing to do because it's better that everyone does the same thing than one person doing the right thing uh, and when you put a person like that in a position of leadership, like it just goes really well, I think. Uh, I don't know. Like Buck was also interesting because he was really good in combat. And then to, to see him get shook like, shook like that, uh, I don't know. It was well acted. But well, fair enough. Aside from that, are you sure it's not Nixon with how tough it was for him to wake up in the morning? <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, speaking of Nixon, um, Nix is—he's my guy. Um, for for some of the reasons that Aaron was discussing earlier about how um, you know he he sees the horrors and the whole like yeah I'm being demoted. Got it. I've still got to write these letters. You know, I can 100% see, see myself responding in that way to that trauma. And then also his, his struggles with alcohol as well, because that's, you know, that's one of my weaknesses where when times are tough or, you know, admittedly, sometimes I am prone to bouts of depression. And when that happens, it's all too easy to just reach for a bottle and get lost in it. Yeah, but did and you reach for that bottle? Like, that was a very specific <laughs> bottle. You know, um, I looked that up because, you know, it's, it's a brand name that, that he keeps referring to, the VAT69. Yeah. Nice. Uh, nice. But <laughs> I actually, I looked it up, and it's a real thing. That, that was a real brand of scotch, and you can still buy it now. Wow. I've, I've never seen it in, uh, in a liquor store here in, in the U.S. or anywhere else, um, probably because, honestly, it looks like it's terrible. 
it does not look like it's a it's a premium or or high quality scotch. Uh, but I was I was a little bit surprised to see that 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 was a real thing, and you know the his struggles of moving into enemy territory and not being able to get what he he liked anymore. Um, just and watching him go through that struggle, I was like, geez, you know, it's it's something I don't like about myself, but I think that's something I could see myself doing if I were in such a situation. You just got to bring that Johnny Walker with you, right? Oh, let's yeah. Trey, let's Trey. Wasn't he the guy they sent home for the PR campaign? I don't remember him going home, I remember them sending Winters to Paris. Uh, they sent the guy whom who like got lost a lot. Okay, well, I remember they. Sent, he, I think he was a platoon a leader, but a voucher for somebody. It they was Don. I thought it was Donnie Wahlberg. That <laughs> yeah, played. yeah, Lipton. Yeah, in the last okay. episode, they were like, you know, some of the guys didn't have enough points to go home, but we did everything we could to get them out. And I think Donnie ba- Wahlberg was the one where they were like. Hey man, you've been a stand-up guy through this whole thing. Let's send you on the goodwill tour so that you're still in the army, but you're not having to deal with all this shit. Yeah. Well, and they probably picked a guy that was um, simple enough where he could have seen that as like, oh great, yeah, let me an honor, let me get out of here. Everyone else turned it down because they're like, I'm not leaving so and so. I'm not leaving like y'all behind. They probably found the guy that didn't really think that way. No, Lipton, I think he had seen it. Like, he was the one who had to lead while Dykes was not able to, just by default. He was the de facto easy company leader. That was kind of one of the things I felt like that they had said. Because remember, he, even when he had the pneumonia, he was still, like, in there trying to make sure shit was getting done. And they're like, go rest. He's like, I will, after I get this shit done. Oh, that's the guy that they sent home? Yeah, that's the guy that they sent home. So I, I think he he earned it. He just didn't have the points to be mm-hmm. discharged honorably. So it was, it was, it was kind of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You've done your duty, son. Just It's kind of like uh, whenever I, I Winters... Didn't, I didn't catch who they actually sent. I thought they sent like a C-list home. No, no, it was it was Lipton. But it's kind of, it reminded me of kind of how Winters, whenever they had that, the, the, um, the kidnapping sequence where they're going across the the river to kidnap oh, some yeah. Germans for the prisoner exchange and I'll, I'll, I'll set this up and then I want to ask what everyone's like the dumbest death in the series was because definitely for me it was the guy who threw the grenade in the window then <laughs> ran in af- before it exploded like I don't know how anyone's brain works like that that that's they're just like you know what this makes sense let me throw this in and then open the door before it blows up I it just one. blew me away but uh, just the, the whole winters saying, "Oh yeah, you guys went on another mission the next the next night, but just everyone get some good sleep, and we'll just tell everybody we, that we did this." You know, like that kind of ability to to see how success notoriety was blinding people at the top, and being able to look out for your own men and let yeah. bureaucracy kind of take over from there was was very very wise of Winters. I bet they did. I bet they legitimately dealt with that. Mm-hmm. So anyways, dumbest death in the show, anyone? Oh, God. The guy who shot himself with a Luger that he saw. <sighs> yeah, that one was pretty rough, too. Yeah, yeah, that's another... Damn. All right, y'all are taking the good ones. <laughs> yeah, I'm really struggling to think of uh, of dumb deaths because there were very Shocking few... Shocking works, too. The, the majority of the deaths were really the 
the emotional note was more about the senselessness of it. Yeah, well, I think also whenever they're singing on the tanks and they get hit by the sniper. Oh, oh I got one. one, I got one, I got one. The guy that got run over by a tank. The guy that got yeah. run over. <laughs> he didn't roll. He, he, he just rolled. Just rolled. Just he should have rolled. Why would you? Why would you crawl forward <laughs> when you have a tank coming? It's not like it can turn easy. Left, left or right. <laughs> it's like someone getting run over by a steamroller, and you've like ten feet, and you just lay the yo. Yeah. It's like an Austin Powers. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of did Blythe kill himself, but no. No, he got sniped and just fell. Oh, oh. yeah, that was tough. I felt bad for Blythe. He was the person I felt the worst for, just because I don't been there. Well, he shouldn't have been there. He had hysterical blindness. He mm. obviously wasn't mentally prepared for war, and they should have recognized that and pulled him. And the only reason I feel that he volunteered to go is because he felt shame for a physiological reaction that I don't think that he could really be blamed for. What was right. that? He he had hysterical blindness in in battle. Where all of a sudden his mind essentially just shut off his previously, brain. previously. No, no. When they got dropped in, remember Blythe. He oh, you're saying they should have sent him home then? Yeah, I'm saying they should have. Whenever they, whenever he had the bout of, of hysterical blindness, they should have decommissioned him, sent him from the front lines because yeah, that patted him, patted him on the back and said, "Okay, yeah, all right, go just, on." It, it it not only puts him at risk, it puts others at risk because mm. you know you you can't. I know you want every able able bodied man on the front doing what they can do. Well, but I think that that shows he wasn't an able-bodied person. Th- that brings up, I think that brings up a really good question of how realistic was the training or how realistic is today's training? Like, you go sign up for the military, you go through basic training. Are you rolling through a trench full of pigs' guts and bloods? Like, are, are you doing that? Are you getting bloody? Are you uh-huh. getting uh, exposed to like horrendous things before you have to get exposed to horrendous things? Probably not on that level. What they do is they try and train you so that your body knows what to do despite the fact that horrendous things are happening around you. That that just you having the muscle memory of what to do in each scenario despite what's happening around you, your body's muscle memory should take over. Well, I think that's the philosophy of training for war now is that if you are prepared to do what you need to do in all scenarios it doesn't matter it needs to be a muscle reflex not yeah not a mental reflex yeah well i I just remember perking up taking a mental note whenever they rolled through that training trench full of uh yesterday's meal or Mm -hmm. butcher block uh leftovers whatever they did it was was definitely like some sort of animal guts and blood Mm -hmm. so i was very i was very interested and i was like huh i wonder if they attempted back then or attempt today to like pre desensitize you well the ancient spartans made you go fight a like wolf when you were like 13 to death so (laughs) don't come back if you can't (laughs) we've had a lot of good to say about this show any any criticisms for it Uh, there was some treachery from me on some of the individual stories like baston like, I don't know, there were moments where I just, I felt like I was in Bastogne with them, just trudging through those, the the weight. And I, I appreciate that maybe that was the point, was that this was not, you know, an exciting part of the war, but it was a very dangerous part of the war. 
and you know a lot of the trauma comes out of a lot of the the forging comes out of that but it felt it felt a little slow in that in the bastone part for me and i i don't know maybe i just i i really liked winters and i felt like winters and nixon and that kind of part of the story kind of fade away for a good port chunk of it and we get more of kind of entrenched stories and there were so many different people and there were so many people that looked very similar that I had to rewind a few times when people died to figure out who was it that we just lost. No, I think you're, I think you're right about that. I think that's valid uh, because I, I had watched this show about 10 years ago and watched it through. And then maybe five ish years ago, I, I went back to watch it again, but I think I got to Bastogne and didn't make it further just cause it just, it bogged down a little bit like pacing wise. And then the last episode, I, I felt a little bit of, this, of the same as well. I felt like yeah. it just it dragged a little bit. I mean, I, and I, I, kind of to echo what you said, I understand that the point they're making is that like they, they really shouldn't have had to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. But they were, and that was still causing death and destruction of lives. Yep. Um, but, you know... Unfortunately, as a TV show, it's just it felt like the pace was a little uneven sometimes. And I think because it's a miniseries, maybe they were willing to kind of make that decision because it's not not like they're working to get renewed for another season, right? Right, right. And there is source material. It's it's based off of a book, right? Right, and that book is based off of interviews with the the people who actually did this. Mm-hmm. Well, they, I, I was watching a little bit of a review um, on the show just to like watch uh, accuracy. I wasn't expecting this level of detail, but this guy was looking at like the maps and stuff. He was saying, "Well, um, on this on this mission, they said that they were coming in from the south, and if you look at it here on the map, they had a road right here. But obviously, in the in the show, that road wasn't there. And it's like, what?" And so he he went into like how four shows for hour long episodes or whatever the goal is if it's a movie or a TV show or whatever uh, scale plays a lot of role into it. So a lot of the city scenes weren't exactly um, to the T accurate because they were mostly shooting on like one street out of the village instead of the actual whole village. I thought that was an intriguing little. Uh, I, I don't know if it's an Easter egg, but they weren't filming in the entire location. So I think a lot of like the time and like the scale was 100% on purpose due to the fact that they had to work within an hour. So I think like the tre- the treasury of um, Baston, I liked it because uh, I, I felt bored with them. I was like, oh my God, like it could happen any moment. I don't understand why they're like, the one thing I didn't like about the scale of things is because you're watching this one, um, I don't know if it's a platoon or what's smaller than a platoon. Squad. Squad, yeah. Are we watching one squad? Are we watching a platoon? You don't really see a whole lot of other people out in the in the woods with them. You kind of wonder, like, are these 12 guys going up, up, up against an entire front line? Like, how many people are here with them? That was the one thing that kind of threw me off a little bit was the scale of things. And I think it's only because 
it was a TV show. But, I think it just it's the 101st Airborne, and there was A, B, C, D, E, F Company, and E Company was the primary focus of the story. Yeah. Well, even within that, they were, I think, in the 506th Regiment of the 101st Airborne. And so, you know, for people like us, uh, or pe- I should just speak Civilians. for myself, but people like me who don't really understand, is a regiment bigger than a division? What's a battalion? A battalion mm. is three to 300 to 1,000 people. A company is 80 to 250. Okay. Uh, you know, fair enough. But, like, it's it would make a very boring show if they had to sit you down and, and show you a chart of this is how much this is and this is how much this is. So... You know, or like, for example, um, I was a little confused on who exactly Nixon was attached to, because I don't think he was ever commanding any part of Easy Company. He was just with an adjacent one, but it didn't feel like they explained well, like where exactly he fit into the command structure. Yeah, I agree. He just was like Winter's friend. (laughs) Right. Oh, thanks, Eric. Well, are we ready to to rate the show? I think we are. All right. Well, at this point in the show show, we will all give our uh, our ratings of the show. We do a 0 through 10 scale. Um so, let's kick off with Eric. What do you think of the show? I I mean I got to I feel like I have to. I I, I got to give it a 10. I think in, in a lot of ways it was very well done. I think it, um, for the sake of the history books, I felt like it had to be done. I don't think I've seen another uh, movie or tribute to the war held in such a light where they, they really had um, uh, heroes and, and personnel that were from the actual war. So I, I think... In a lot of ways, as a tribute, as a work of art, it was ten out of ten, excellent. From a from a TV show, from quote unquote entertainment, I don't know if I can even put it in that c- category. As far as, I mean, it was Tom Hanks and, and Spielberg. It was it was excellent. The cinematography was excellent. The the um, some of the transitions, I guess I can agree a little bit, were were odd. I think that was all timing because they were stuck inside of a, a, a TV show format. But I think as a on-the-books archival piece of work, I, 10 out of 10 must-see. Very, very excellent. 10 out of 10 from Eric, his first-ever perfect score. Uh, next up, how about Adam? Okay, I'm in a bit of a conundrum, boys, because I see this to- show from two different angles. <coughs> it's kind of like a little bit what Eric was saying, uh, you know, as as far as like how it was made, the cast, accuracy, history, fantastic. Great job. But, and this may be a little selfish, but I watch TV to be entertained. And I did not walk away entertained from the show. I I can't say entertained was the feeling that, you know, resonated. It it was definitely a good show when it comes to the things I mentioned. But kind of like the 
what happened in Bastogne, those trudgy moments where it gave you the feeling of being bored. I mean, they probably did that intentionally. They wanted you to feel bored, but I don't really want to watch a show that makes me feel bored. So if we're talking about, like, am I judging it on the aspects of how well it was made, or am I judging it on the aspects of how much I liked it? Uh, If it's how it's made, I got to give it a nine. I'll give it a nine for how it's made. If it's how much I liked it, it would probably be a four. Uh, I've just, you know, it, it comes back to World War II has been done to death. And it is sad and depressing to revisit that, especially in such a realistic manner as this definitely encaptured. But if it entertained me, I can't say it did. So final score, you taking the difference or are you picking the four? Oh gosh, I don't know. Like how are how are y'all judging this? Are we judging this on a system of like it's kind of an all how much we like it? How much it? of a patriot I am? No, it's all <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, all encompassing. Take take all the values, add them together, divide it by three. Oh wow. That's okay. So we had nine and four. That's add fourteen divided to three. Oh no. That's thirteen. Oh, 13, yeah. That, that's better math. Thank you. Uh, well, that's what 13 I'm is too hard to buy. I'm just going to give it a 7. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. 7 from Adam. Uh, for me, uh, this was a great show that I really enjoyed start to finish. It really it made you feel. It made you love these characters and then cry for them when they were lost. It made you hate the characters that you were really supposed to hate. Uh, was it perfect? I, I don't think it was perfect, but it was damn, damn good. This is a solid nine for me. All right, that leaves me. Um, I've kind of, I feel like I've expressed kind of my feelings about it. Th- solid show, well done, excellent execution. It, I think that one of the things, though, the unspoken things that I actually have to give it the most credit for is the fact that they didn't give us the names of any of the older gentlemen at the beginning of each episode. They gave us kind of some of the context uh, and feelings and narration and until the end. So as you're watching it, you don't know who's going to make it. You don't know who, if any of these people were listening to as Winters or Nixon or Picanti or, you know, Lipton or Malarkey. And so you don't know who's going to make it to the end. And to me, that was a, a unique gift that they were able to give us that built a little certain of anticipation. And then at the end, they kind of revealed some of the names of those who, who came and spoke and, and a little bit more of the history. And, and I thought that was great. I, I, as a lover of history, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, I, I, I do agree with Adam to a little, a certain extent. There were times that I just felt bored um, with some of the, the treasury. Um, but I think that the very, very powerful images, the feelings, the emotions override anything and and in a sense may be just kind of trying to bring the the viewer into seeing how much of the war is a little bit of a, a sit and hurry up and wait type thing so uh i'm i'm also going to give it a nine i thought that they they blew it out of the water figuratively and literally um and uh, it left me wanting to see what the pacific had to offer 
All right, we've got a nine from Aaron. Uh, that gives us an overall average score of 8.75, uh, which I believe is going to put it tied with Chernobyl as the s- number two show on our leaderboard behind the Righteous Gemstones. Righteous Gemstones definitely deserves the top spot. Oh, yeah, that show's great. That's pretty funny. Well, um, with with the official pronouncement, do we want to talk next series? Sure. You guys got nominations? I have my nomination. Okay. You want to go first? Uh, yeah. I nominate Doom Patrol because we've done quite a few different foyers into the uh, superhero genre or metahuman genre. And this one, I, I started with Christy, just watched a few episodes, and was... Pleasantly surprised and intrigued by it. It's got Brendan Fraser as essentially the Doom character and uh, Alan, I can never say his name. Is it Turdick? Richardson? Okay. No. Um, Tudick. Um, he is right, the main. You can't say that. <laughs> can't say it. Turdick. Tudick. Uh, uh, he is the main bad guy and narrator, and he is absolutely fucking phenomenal, at least in the first episode. Own. So uh, I, I'm, that's my recommendation. Uh, it it appears yeah, to be on both. Really good. It's it's so far very funny, fun, entertaining, and not as um, graphic as Boys, but gritty. You know, kind of the DC grit is 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 the flavor of the day now. So that's my recommendation or my suggestion to the wheel. Okay, we got Doom Patrol. Uh, for me, I'm kind of torn between two. So before I reveal them, let me put it up to the group. Do you want a good show, or do you want a show that I hear is so bad it's good? Oh, good show, please. Bad, 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 bad. Damn it, Eric. Um, I I am a sucker for the so good, so bad it's good. So I'm gonna go All with right. that one too. Well, then I will offer up. The Apple Plus show C. This is the uh, the Jason Momoa show where it's a it's a f- like far future where everybody's blind. I hear it is so ridiculous and so terrible that it is uh, it is on Apple. But um, I have been able to procure a, a subscription for free that I can maybe share with some people in the group. Um, so. We can do a cast party, and we can just all watch it together, guys. Yeah, there we go. All right, all right, Eric, Adam, what do you got? Adam, I'm going to resubmit my entry, uh, Warrior Nun. It's about right. a girl who becomes a, a warrior nun. nun. A warrior nun, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and that's that's where I'm just going to leave that. Uh, it's it's very Buffy reminis- uh, reminiscent of Buffy. But, are we you know, holding on this, or what are we doing? We're, we're going to put it on the wheel. Well, here, yeah, Spin I was going to say, uh, Jay, Wheel of Names. Wheel of Names. Yeah, wheelofnames.com is perfect for this crap. I've, I have recently discovered, in fact, here, let me do it. I'm going to share my screen. Share screen. Wheel of Names, start sharing. So we're going to go ahead and put these in here. So we have Doom Patrol. We have what? What, did, what was yours, Adam? Yours was Warrior, Warrior Nun. Nun. And Eric's. Jay, what was yours? It was C S E E S E E. Okay, and Eric. <laughs> I'm going for Pure Vanity here. Oh, wow. um, pure Vanity. That's an interesting show. And I want to watch <laughs> Dallas. Dallas. Wait, which version? Uh, the original. 
Oh God. 1979. Wait, is there access to that anywhere? <laughs> it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Okay, so OG OG Dallas. Ooh, I am intrigued by this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, is everyone happy with their their <laughs> offerings? Oh my Spin God. that wheel. <laughs> Spin that wheel. Here it is. We left it up to fate to decide. Uh, oh, patrol. Where where do we watch it? It should be on right. HBO and HBO Max. I know that Jay has. Yeah, HBO, HBO Max. Max. I just want to say the wheel is bugged. It picks whoever spins it. No. I also I set up the wheel as well and it picked Warrior Nub. I well, then just <laughs> I don't think that that's possible. It's how it works, Aaron. How does it know which one picked it? I don't know. It it just picks the first one every time. Well, but what if Warrior Numb was the second one on Adams? No, no. Aaron made this website. Aaron made this website. I made this website. All right. I'm sus- suspect. <laughs> well, here. Let's do uh, just just for shits and giggles. Doom Patrol's already won, but we're going to roll again to just oh, see if it does land on it. It's going to land on Warrior Numb now. See, so there, it doesn't just land see? on the front every time. See? Yeah. See, That's Adam? That's it. Good fair, one. Fair. <laughs> All right. Uh, that was pretty fun. <laughs> We have a new method of, of selecting the show by random. So I, I think now if, if we want, and we can discuss this off camera if we want, but if we want now, let's say we do Doom Patrol and then maybe the three people who didn't get picked put a show on the wheel and we spin that. And that way we kind of, whoever picked the last show sits out so that it maybe makes it more fair. Or if we want to keep all four in all times, doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I don't okay. care about it. Yeah, as long as we're doing the wheel. The way I see it, as long as I re- keep resubmitting a show, it'll yeah. be Yeah, yeah. Usually there's that. a shot, yeah. <laughs> you can just be that person. All right, well, then we have selected Doom Patrol. If anyone has any issues accessing it, I do have uh, HBO Max, and we can figure out how to do that as well, either I, cast or whatever. Um, but it... I've only watched like two episodes, and I I'm very very intrigued. So excited to see what you guys think. Check and Brendan Fraser as the badass does work. Mummy you might have it. HBO with your internet. Just double check yeah. your cell phone and. Uh, <laughs> if you have AT and T, you may have HBO yeah. Max. All right, well, not not bombshell. It's time to end. Good night, everybody. Adios. Fairly well. Good day. <laughs>